Thanks for tuning in to Horizon Community Church's podcast. Our hope and prayer is that wherever you are, you would be encouraged by this message and be equipped to face any challenges that come your way. More information about Horizon can be found at www.horizonweb.org. So if you have your Bibles, turn to the Revelations. We're going to be in chapter 13. We did six weeks, and then we basically have taken a month break. So we're going to dive back in here. So for some of you, let, let me just do a review of where we've been going for the last six weeks. First off, we started out that the purpose of Revelation is to change us, not simply inform us. That based on what we are hearing, based on what we are reading here, it is meant to change us, that our actions should be different. If this is true, then how then should we act? We also said that this book is the only book that comes with a blessing that if you read it today, guaranteed you're going to get a blessing because we're going to read through chapter 13. But we also said that this is going to challenge your view of Jesus. We asked the question, do I know and adore the awesome, glorious, powerful Jesus portrayed in the Bible? Or have I adopted a culturally appropriate, mild-mannered, user-friendly Jesus in my imagination? We too, we said that Jesus could not be the line of judgment and the king of glory unless he was first, first became the lamb of God who took away the sins of the world. Week three, we said, will you be radiant and ready or raptured and removed? Because based on the answer is how you will prepare yourself. Week four, God will be exercising restraint, allowing room for repentance and salvation. I'm going to tell you, the farther we go into Revelation, that window gets smaller and smaller and smaller as far as the room for the possibility of salvation for those. Week five, we said no matter what the world looks like today, no matter how out of control and chaotic it looks tomorrow, God still wins. Week six, we said Satan's hatred is relentless. And again, we will see that true today in Revelation 13. We also said God's gifts, God's call, God's promises are irrevocable. Today, the main idea, and kind of really through much of the rest of Revelation, is this, that the day of the Lord will be the most glorious time and the most horrifying time in human history. Now, if you're into novels or movies, but I am more into movies, which I watch constantly, and with this whole thing, I've watched a lot of movies. And I watch a lot of movies over and over again. And what's true of most movies is that you can pick out that there usually is a good guy and a villain, whether it's a, a woman or a man or whatever, you can usually identify who they are. But a great movie a great is when the person starts off to be a hero, but it really turns out to be the villain. I mean, there are several movies like that. I mean, Unbreakable with Bruce Willis when he is the overseer, and Mr. Glass, who's Samuel L. Jackson who looks to be the guy who's trying to help, but he's the bad guy through this whole thing. You don't find that out to the end. X-Men, is, is Magneto a good guy versus a good guy, then a bad guy, then a good guy, then a bad guy? He just keeps, depending on what movie you watch, it flips back and forth. Or even The Godfather, where Michael Corleone starts off to be this good guy, but turns out to be an evil one. And all these throughout history, guys, villains, evil people, Satan has empowered 
throughout time. He will continue to do it, and he's doing it right now. You can go back to the Nero's and the Caesars, or you can go with the Hitler's and Stalin's and the Mao's. All of them have been evil, orchestrated by the devil himself. But now we're getting to the focus that here is the true Antichrist. Now, the book of Revelation, as we stated from the beginning, is really centered in the Middle East. I mean, it's centered in on Israel. It's centered in on Jerusalem. It's not some fictitious aspect of it. It is truly a Middle Eastern thing, and that's why in the Bible we do not see America talked about in the Bible anywhere because it's primarily a Middle Eastern thing. Not that America has ceased to exist, but has America become a place which have recently things that have taken place in our government, you would think that maybe we've just been wimpified to the point when we have a senator, who, a representative who could stand up in the House of Representatives and make a prayer to a Hindu God and end with amen and a woman. Guys, no wonder we don't see America. That's my political comment for the day. But in Revelations 13, there's a lot of conspiracy. And, and even in the world today, there's conspiracy everywhere, whether it's UFOs, whether it's the assassination of King or Kennedy, whether it's the, the contrails that are over us, the Illuminati, and even this, this vaccine, it's the mark of the beast. The conspiracy theories are all out there. They're just floating everywhere. That will not stop. In the Bible, read Isaiah chapter 9. It talks about conspiracy there. We're, we're prone to conspiracy, but there's always something behind. But Revelation 13 is opening the door to give us a picture of what truly is going to happen. So Revelation 13, starting in verse 1, it says this. And the dragon stood on the shore of the sea, and I saw a beast coming out of the sea. He had ten horns and seven heads with ten crowns on his horns, and on each head a blasphemous name. The beast I saw resembled a leopard, but that but had feet like those of a bear and a mouth like that of a lion. The dragon gave the beast his power and his throne <coughs> and great authority. This beast is frightening looking, obviously. Now, I guarantee you, this is not going to be an actual beast looking like that that's going to be the Antichrist. This is de depicting someone who is monstrous of character. I mean, it's talking about a nation. And the, even the description of the bear, the leopard, the lion, and all this is meant to take us back to Daniel at the description of the beast, of the Antichrist. And so this person that is rising up who is powerful, who is politics, he's polished, all those things are taking place, is truly the ultimate dictator and a world force of, a, of, a, of an empire that's going to take over, especially in the Middle East. Now, when it talks about this beast, nowhere in the, really in the book of Revelation do we find the term Antichrist. That's other places in the Bible. But the beast, when we talk about the beast, that is the Antichrist. And there are many Antichrists throughout time. There have been hundreds of Antichrists. There are Antichrists right now that are empowered by the devil himself to make his way to do his work. Even John, when he later writes in 1 John 2.18, says this, Dear children, this is the last hour, and as you have heard that the Antichrist is coming, even now many Antichrists have come. This is how we know it's the last hour. But in Revelation 13, this is the one. This is the last one. This is the one who Satan is empowering. And he says there, one of the heads of the beast seemed to have had a fatal wound in verse 3. 
but the fatal wound had been healed. The whole world was astonished and followed the beast. Men worshipped the dragon because he had given authority to the beast, and they also worshipped the beast and asked, who is like the beast? Who can make war against him? Which is a rhetorical question. Of course, no one, they said. And this Antichrist is wounded, so fatally wounded, and is healed and miraculously rises from the dead. Copycat Christ, Antichrist. Again, it's putting up this image, just as Christ Jesus, he, he, he died and he was buried and he rose from the grave. Now the Antichrist is taking that same miracle, whether it happened in reality or not, it very well could have really happened, but the world is amazed and the world has given, given praise and honor to this beast. One word that you see in the verses previous in this verse again is that the dragon, because he had given authority to the beast. This word given authority, I'm going to tell you something. This is going to mess some of you up. Because if Satan gives the Antichrist, the beast, power, who gave the authority and power to Satan in the first place? Now you can say it. We all know the answer to that. We don't want to necessarily believe it. But it is God. God's given the power to Satan to do this, and Satan has given the power to the beast to do all this. There's a passage in Deuteronomy 13 where... Moses is writing to the people that if a, if a prophet comes or a dreamer comes, it says, and prophesies all these things and even performs them, do not follow him because he's going to tell you to follow other gods. Do not listen to him. Matter of fact, in verse 5 it says, matter of fact, get rid of him. And I don't mean kick him out of town. I mean dispose of him, kill him. And verse 3 is critical here because verse 3 says, you must not listen to the words of the prophet or dreamer, for the Lord your God is testing you. Who gave these prophets and dreamers? God did. And it's a test to find out whether you love him with all your heart and with all your soul. It is the Lord your God who must, you must follow, and him you must revere. Keep his commands and obey him. Serve him and hold fast to him. God is testing. He's not tempting, but he is testing. And this is a huge test. God grants authority to test the people of God. God is behind this. God is orchestrating this. And the thing is, as one author put it, I wish I coined this phrase, this is going to push against our cotton candy Christianity. I love cotton candy. I mean, I love it just the, I mean, just, but you take a big old ball of cotton candy and put it in your mouth, it instantly disappears. This book of Revelation, I know, has been challenging some of you because it's going to push against this God who, well, God is love, and God's not going to hurt anybody or send anybody to hell, and he's not going to do this, and not going to do that. Paul writes in Romans eleven twenty two 22 this, Consider, therefore, the kindness and sternness of God. Sternness to those who fell, but kindness to you provided that you continue in kindness. God is both. God is just not all loving, period. God is kind, God is loving, but God is stern. He is wrathful. He is judging. And what this is coming, understand who's given authority, who's really the player behind this? It's God Almighty. 
And that's the thing. Remember in Revelation 10 when, when John was told to eat the little scroll that was both sweet and bitter. As we read the Word of God, this is going to push against our cotton candy Christianity, this thin veneer of faith when we get down that the God is sovereign. He's orchestrating this. The day of the Lord will be this glorious time, but it will be the most horrifying time for the human race. Revelations 13 verse 5 says, The beast was given a mouth to utter proud words and blaspheme to exercise the authority for 22 months. He opened his mouth to blaspheme God and to slander his name and his dwelling place to those who live in heaven. For 42 months, that's that term again, three and a half years, 1260 days, over and over again. This is the second half of the seven-year tribulation. It's that three and a half year that the beast will blaspheme God. And who is he going after in this verse? He's blaspheming the name of God heaven itself, the dwelling place, and all those who live there, the angels and the saints that are already there. But as attention turns to, in verse 7, those saints who are still here. Verse 7. He was given power to make war against the saints and to conquer them. Now, when you think about it, Revelation 12, God... In the passage before that, God was protecting all the saints. Remember, the 144,000 were protected. Uh, The two witnesses were protected for that length of time. But now, all of a sudden, the protection is pulled. And now he's been given the ability, the priority, the authority to make war against the saints. And he was given authority, again, who's given it God, over every tribe, people, language, and nation. All the inhabitants of the earth will worship the beast all whose names have not been written in the book of life, belonging to the Lamb that was slain from the creation of the world. There's going to be a full-blown jihad against the saints. I mean, it's going to be coming down. Now, those saints, they're supposed to take encouragement from the staff that their their names are written in the Lamb's book of life seven times in the Scripture. You can look that up in your notes. Seven times it talks about the book of life. And who owns the book? The lamb who was slain. And this book has been written since the creation of the world that all of a sudden your name is there. You have nothing to worry about. But the Antichrist will take their lives, but they can't destroy their faith. Guys, again, back to that song. Yeah, we always think you know, the cross is not supposed to be ever heavy. He never promised that. He never promised he was going to take us out of. He promised to take us through this. And as one writer said, it was interesting, God says, you saints who are still here, you're going to overcome him, but to do that, he's going to overcome you. And we have to remember, guys, we serve a crucified Savior and Lord. If we bought into that, if I accept Jesus and everything's going to be honky-dory, nothing's going to happen to me, you've got cotton candy Christianity. Verse 9 says this, he who has an ear, let him hear. If anyone is to go into captivity, into captivity he will go. God, right now he's saying, now listen up, guys. Here's the sovereignty of God. Some of you are going to go into captivity because that's what I ordained to happen. If anyone is killed with a sword, with a sword he will be killed. Some of you are going to die in the process. I don't know who's who, 
But that's why he says there, this calls for patient endurance and faithfulness on the part of the saints. Guys, again, God's sovereignty card, you can't pull it and do it like this. Many people say, well, you know, guys, you, you've hurt people. You've caused people to get sick. People have died at Horizon because you were open. Now, I'm going to say something right now. Guys, if that's true, then I'm a powerful man. Our church is a powerful thing that we can supersede the sovereignty of God who has the number of hairs on my head counted and the number of days I know who says some of you are going to go into captivity. Some of you are going to be thrust with the sword because I have ordained that. The book of Revelation throughout is calling to, for endurance not escape, and that's going to push against cotton candy Christianity. Did I lose everybody there? Revelations 13, 11 through 15 says this, Then I saw another beast coming out of the earth. He had two horns like a lamb, but he spoke like a dragon. Catch that? You look like a lamb. But he spoke the devil's word. He exercised all authority of the first beast on behalf and made the earth and its inhabitants worship the first beast, whose fatal wound had been healed. And he performed great and miraculous signs, even causing the fire down from heaven, from earth to earth, from heaven to earth, and full view of men. Remember who did that before? The two witnesses were caught on fire down from heaven. Now this guy is. He set up in order that he set up an image to honor the beast who was wounded by the sword and yet lived. He was given power to give breath to the image of the first beast and it could speak and cause all who refused to worship the beast to be killed. Now we have the unholy trinity, if you will. In the holy trinity, you've got God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In the unholy trinity, you've got the devil, You've got the Antichrist, the beast, and now you have the false prophet who has come. And his mission is to cause worship of the world to the beast. What's the Holy Spirit supposed to be doing? He's creating worship? You know? Again, counteracting, copycatting the, the, what God has done. Now the devil is doing so. And he, he, he initiates it by doing miracles. And the world is amazing. As everyone's seen, just like everyone saw the witnesses rise, they're seeing this on their TVs. They're seeing this being broadcast. And his job is to get the world to worship the image. And the image is the abomination of desolation. Now, understand, time-wise, there's so many things that have to take place before Revelation can have this. The temple has to be rebuilt. It's not been constructed yet. They have the pieces. They're ready to do it. That's going to be the time. when you Guys, if we're still here, click, set your, set your timer, because that's what's going to take place. The temple's going to be rebuilt. And for the first time in 2,000 years, the Jews are going to offer sacrifices. But then this, this confederate army, this not in a confederacy in America, confederate, this nation confederacy, whether it's European Union or is it the caliphate, the Turkish caliphate, there's a note in your... Uh, thing in your notes to say, go watch this by FAI Studios about the Turkish Caliphate. Guys, it's worth the time spent to watch that. So whether it's this Muslim contingency that goes, they will attack Jerusalem, they will attack the temple, and that is when the abomination of desolation that's talked about in Daniel, that Jesus talks about in Matthew 24, that Paul talks about in 2 Thessalonians, <coughs> chapter 2 will be set. And this is the warning to the church. 
when you see this happen, understand we are on the, the threshold. We are on the verge of eternity itself. It is the final countdown. The final countdown. That's when it takes place, is when all this happens. And this image of the beast that is set up, we don't know if it's a 3D image, is it AI technology, or is it basically AI robot? It answers, it says things, or whether this is a whether this is an image, an uh, idol that has a demon possession, which I wish I could go in, 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 in detail of that, but I, I know personal experience that demons can attach themselves to idols, to things. And his job will to enlist this great worship movement, Revelation 15, 16 through 17. He has forced everyone, small and great, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on his right hand, and his forehead. Probably no passage in Revelation, these last three verses, gets more attention than this right here. So that no one could buy or sell unless it, he first had the mark. Which is the name of the beast, the number of his name. Guys, the mark of the beast is directly connected to the worldwide worship movement of, of the beast. That's, that's what this is. So you cannot accidentally take the mark. Well, Tim, my has been talking about, you know, putting this little thing on my rest. That's my visa card, and that way I don't have to carry a card. That I can't take that because that's the mark, of the mark of the beast. It's not the mark of the beast. The mark of the beast doesn't happen until all these other things take place. That might be the roadmap to the mark of the beast, but if they offer that, I don't know, carrying a card and just going zip, that might be pretty cool. But my health department, they want to put a thing, and all my records and everything, that must be the mark of the beast. Guys, the mark of the beast takes place. When all of a sudden it's set up in the temple, this is about worship of the beast, and you cannot unless you have this mark. Even when it says it's on the right hand or forehead, this is, again, a copycat, because with Jews, you read Exodus, you read several places where they're to tie the word of God to their forehead and to the hand. That's where the phylacteries came from. Where you've seen Jews, you've probably seen Jews with a box here or a box here where the scriptures are kept. But now you're going to have to have it on your right hand and your forehead for that purpose. So it could be a chip implant. It's not the beast yet. It could be something of this. It, it could be laws because when the Muslims came through and, 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 and this is way back in time, they didn't put a mark. If you didn't convert, then you were placed under a certain law where you couldn't buy or sell. And so it was the law that was the mark that marked you as not being a Muslim. And so whether it's the law that is established that's going to prevent this, all this is going to be tied to, guys, this mark of the beast, to the last 42 months, to Jerusalem being surrounded and conquered, to a war with the saints, to the global worship movement, to the economy. That's where this mark of the beast will come from. And this mark for the first time in history will truly define who the believers in Jesus Christ are and who are not. Because if you take that mark during that time, then you are swearing allegiance. You are worshiping the devil himself. You do not take it, then that most likely means you will either be a refugee because you've been captured or you will be killed. As the day of the Lord, it's a glorious time and a horrifying time for all of mankind. The last verse says, verse 18, this calls for wisdom. If anyone has insight, let him calculate the number of the beast, for it is the man's number. His number is 666. Six, six. Again, 
no, so much attention to the number of the beast. And whether you work in the Greek, whether you work in the Hebrew, whether you work in the Latin, numbers, I mean, letters had number equivalent. And so you could take numbers. And that's why Nero was the Antichrist or Hitler was the Antichrist or the Pope. Or, I mean, so many people throughout time's name adds up depending on how you push it and use it to, to 666. I promise you this, that leader has not yet come onto the scene <coughs> necessarily to figure out the name. And that's why wisdom is used, because it's during that time they're saying, not today, because you can't go back in history and do that, because there are many antichrists at the time. But wisdom is called, because if you're living during that time, and you are walking through that, understand you'll know who's who, and you realize that at that point, you're making a decision to follow Christ or not, because it means most likely imprisonment being a refugee, or certain death. The temple has to be rebuilt. The beast has to come on the scene with a government and, and an entity of political power that can bring this in. There will be an assault on Jerusalem. That's why the abomination of desolation can be set up. The mark of the beast will be set in place to define who is who, and that may be called for you to give up your life and die in the process. The God who is both kind and stern is going to be evident. The day of the Lord will be most glorious time and the most horrifying time in history. Here's the good news. No matter how what the world looks like today, and it's crazy, no matter how chaotic and out of place the world is tomorrow, God still wins. God's gifts, God's call, God's promises are irrevocable. Your name is written down in the Lamb's Book of Life if you've given your life to him. That's not going to be taken away. It's a promise you are going to be dressed in a white robe and you will rule with him but it may cost you your life. It's costing Christians' lives around the world right now. It'll be worldwide. And the question we keep asking, will you be radiant and ready? The book of Revelation is not meant just to inform us. It's meant to change us. Now, for you out there who may be listening to this, you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You may have said, man, I, I think I've got that cotton candy Christianity. I just have accepted a, a view of it, not Jesus Christ himself. I want to give you opportunity right now to pray with me. There's going to be a prayer on your screen. Again, I think I change this prayer every single time because it's not the prayer that saves you. It's the attitude of your heart, the sincerity of your heart that you are saying, my life is yours, Lord. Direct it and help me live for you. So if that's you, pray this with me. God in heaven, Jesus Christ, to save us from our sins. You are both stern and My sin has separated me from you. I believe that Jesus Christ died to take away my sins. So today I ask you to forgive my sin, to come into my life. Please begin to direct my life. Write my name in your book of life. 
Give me the faith I need to hold on to you. I receive you in my heart this day. In Jesus' name, amen. Father in heaven, I thank you that your word is true. I thank you that your promises, your calls to us are irrevocable. And I thank you that you win in the end. If anyone has prayed to receive that, Father, may you fill their heart with your spirit right now. Lord, for us who are walking through, we're in so many different places right now in our minds. May we realize that you are hope. That you promise that if we walk through a river, we will not be swept away. If we walk through the fire, we will not be burned. You promise to walk through it, rescue us from it. And we take hope and encourage from that. And we pray this in Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer, on your notes there's a number to call Mr. Larry Sterling. He would love to hear from you, get you started on your walk with God. Guys, God bless you, and we'll see you.